Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, I was reading, believe it or not, an article from our Daily Bread, and it was a it was a publication that was really dated March twenty second, nineteen ninety four. So it was a while back. But I like to read the Daily Bread; they have some good inspirational things. And I found a story that I thought was very interesting. It's about a fella named Bruce Goodrich. Now that doesn't mean anything to you, except that um, he because he wasn't famous for anything outstanding. There wasn't anything. He's just a normal student about to enter college. Bruce Goodrich. That's who he was. And the story goes like this. Bruce Goodrich was being initiated into the cadet corps at Texas A&M University. One night, Bruce was forced to run until he dropped, but he never got up. Bruce Goodrich died before he even entered college. A short time after the tragedy, Bruce's father wrote a letter to the administration, the faculty, the student body, and to the corps of the cadets. He says, quote, I would like to take this opportunity to express... The appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We are deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We're particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. Mr. Goodrich went on and said, quote, I hope it will, some, it will, co- it, it will be some comfort to know we harbor no ill matter or no ill will in the matter. We know that our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did this happen? Perhaps one answer will be so that many will consider where they will spend eternity. I would like to talk to you guys tonight about the blessing of forgiveness. Now, we talked about this, we talked about forgiveness in our Matthew study. In Matthew chapter 6, we talked a lot about that. But I want to talk tonight, and I want to particularly hone in on, on how we're blessed. And we're blessed, if you will, um, when we forgive and understanding forgiveness. So the first question we've got to ask ourselves is, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Now, when I said forgiveness, here's what went through every one, a single one of your minds. Oh, okay. So that person that hurt me, I'm supposed to forgive. I'm supposed to just let it go. And, and that's how we are. That's how we're made up. We're made up with the, with that intention of like, no, 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 no. Don't bring that up. See, because there are people in this world who have hurt us so bad that we're not going to. Well, okay. I'm not, I don't even want to talk about it. It's not even on the radar. Please, Lord, I just want to walk with you. But then sometimes he knocks. And, um, and, and we, have to, we have to understand what it is. So what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Well, one couple describes it like this. A couple who had been married for 15 years. Anybody been married more than 15 years? Okay, there you go. They were married for 15 years, having more than unusual disagreements. They wanted to make their marriage work and agreed on an idea the wife had. For one month, they planned to drop a slip in what they call the fault box, okay? It's a little box, and you would write down a fault, okay? Uh, Craig, if it was a fault box, she would write down what you do, vice versa. You understand that's how it went, okay? Same over here. Okay, well, he does this. Oh, that bugs me. And it's a fault box. 
The box would provide a place to let each other know about daily irritations. The wife was diligent in her efforts and approach, leaving the jelly top off the jar. I hate it when he does that. So she'd write it down. Wet towels on the shower floor. Oh, that bugs me. I know none of you guys are like that, so that's cool. Dirty socks not in the hamper. She says amen. And on and on. After dinner, at the end of the month, they exchanged boxes. The husband reflected on all that he had done wrong. Then the wife opened her box and began reading. They were all the same message. The message on each slip was, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Listen, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to sin. We're all going to make bad choices and mess up. But I have to ask the question, what's robbing us of the joy we have in forgiveness? What's robbing us? You see, the cross has the final word and it speaks loudly. It keeps telling you, I love you. I love you. I know you've sinned. I know you're a mess up. I know you leave your dirty socks on the floor. I know you've let me down. But the message to you over and over and over again is I love you. I love you. I love you. And that's why I died for you. I thought about that and I said, wow. You see, the Bible, guys, describes forgiveness like this. You see, two types of forgiveness appear in the Bible. It's God's pardon for our sins and our obligation to pardon others. And the subject is so important that our eternal destiny depends on it. So let's chat for just a moment. Okay, let's chat. Let's talk about what is forgiveness by God. What is forgiveness by God? You see, man is born with sinful nature. Amen? Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, and, they've been, they, and, and we've been sinning ever since. We've been sinning against God. Now, we talked about this on Sunday. Do you remember when we talked about complaining on Sunday? Right? Everybody was like, yeah, and we walked out of here. And then, and then it was um, Amanda who yelled, happy Mother's Day, and everybody got a chuckle. But the thing about complaining is if we complain, uh, we complain about something, if we complain about our circumstances, who are we really complaining to? We're really complaining about God, aren't we? If we complain about our wives, we're really complaining about God. And so the issue is, guys, we, we, we know that we've done that. We've sinned against God. We've complained against God. We've sinned against God. And here's what I love, though, and here's what you gotta get, you got to catch, right? Yet God loved us so much. God loves us too much to let us destroy ourselves in hell. You see, he provided a way for us to be forgiven. And that way is through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus confirmed that in no uncertain terms when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you're taking note, that's John 14, 6. Jesus is the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. We have to grasp that. That sacrifice was necessary to satisfy God's justice. Moreover, that sacrifice had to be what? Perfect and spotless. And you go, why? Because our sinful nature, we cannot repair our broken relationship with God on our own. We talked about that as well. Only Jesus was qualified to do that. You go, how so? Well, church, listen to me for just a moment. We will often try to repair a broken relationship on our own merits. And it's only Jesus. It's when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that we try so hard that, that what happens is we are, our, our lives become a works-oriented um, way to do this. And, and we have no peace and we have no joy. And we're trying to do this. But when we, when we surrender to God and say, Lord, I find this peace and I find this joy because of what you did. Guess what happens? Then you start living a fulfilled life because it's the Lord who's already taking care of that. And, and again, it's except because, again, I can't, I can't fix, I can't repair this broken relationship with God. Only Jesus only Jesus. Why do you think the attacks are so much upon Jesus? You can't say G in Jesus' name. Why? Because they know. They know. And I want you for just a moment to think back 2,000 years ago when this man walked on this earth in Israel and his name was Jesus. And he says, he is the son of God. I want you to think for just a moment if this man was walking around in your neighborhood and he said, and he said, follow me, be my disciple, would you get up and follow him? Would you think, oh, no, 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 he's a crazy rabbi, I don't know, he's done some great things, he's amazing, but I don't know if I'm going to, help me church, I don't know if I'm going to surrender, risk everything to follow this Messiah, this man. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Rightfully so, you would look at me and say, I need to see some evidence. I need to see some hardcore evidence. Before I follow him, I need to. But see, listen, when you gave your life to the Lord, you said, I need to do this. Well, what hardcore evidence did you see? You see, it was faith. And the Lord removed the scales from your eyes. And you said, that's the one. He's the one. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And you got to think about this. I was sitting in my backyard before the storms came and knocked down my tree. I was sitting in my backyard and I was thinking, people got to think we're crazy. They think we're crazy. We're praying to a spirit in the sky. I mean, you understand that, right? Yes, you and I see God. You and I see, we see Jesus in each other. I see the love of God in your life. Amen. But when you really think about it in contrast, Think about what you believe. People think you're crazy. I believe there was a young girl named Mary who was a virgin who got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You did what? Think about what we believe. We believe this spirit, this great loving father created the universe. 
We believe he created everything. And that's where we stand. Try and change our mind. Nope, I believe it. I believe it. When you pray, when you pray, Lord Jesus, you're praying to God. You, you just know. You just know. You just know. And you know what happened? I sat there and I said, God, well, I'm sitting in my backyard and, and, and the clouds are coming. And I'm like, okay, okay. this and, 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 and you know what? I'm waiting for God to speak to me. And he didn't. You see, there was no... Because, see, God doesn't have to justify who he is or he doesn't have to... He's God. And I said, yes, I still believe. I used to think growing up it would be cool to have the, the Pauline or the Saul conversion. You understand? Where, the, where I saw a bright light and I knew it was God and I fell on my face. And, and then after studying that more, I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I believe. Because Paul was blinded, what... He was blinded, he was, he was knocked off his, well, we don't know if it was a horse, but he was knocked off onto the ground. And, but I understand, guys. You see, it was only Jesus is qualified to do that for us. Can I get an amen? See, it's Matthew 28, or 26, verse 28, that says this. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, for what? For the remission of sins. You see, when he said this, the next day Jesus died on the cross, taking the punishment for us and atoning for our sins. On the third day, after that, he rose from the dead, conquering death for all who believed in him as Lord and Savior. John, do you remember John the Baptist, his cousin? And Jesus commanded one thing. He said, we should repent or turn away from our sins to receive God's forgiveness. And when we do, our sins are forgiven and we're assured eternal life in heaven. So you understand, we're forgiven. You, 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 do you understand? Do you, do you get it? Everything that you've done, all the bad choices, all the bad thoughts, all the ugliness, all the hard and heart, all the black and heart, everything you've ever done, thought, said, is forgiven. It's a good place for an amen. Thank you, sister. Everything that you do, even today, is forgiven. But, but here's what, this is what gets me. My future sins that I don't want to do, they're forgiven. That's a good place for a good amen. Come on, everybody. Amen. Okay, so our sins are forgiven. Got it. So, we have to understand that. Now, that's forgiveness from who? Guys, that is forgiveness from God, right? That is forgiveness from the Lord. So now, what about forgiveness for others? Oh, okay, well, that's... Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. No, 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 let's talk, let's talk. As believers, you and I, you and I, our relationship with God is restored, okay? We're, we're restored with him, But what about our fellow human beings? What about, what about our relationship with each other? The Bible says that when someone hurts us, that we're under obligation to God to forgive that person. Okay? 
Here's where, here's where it gets touchy. Here's where it gets real quiet. Here's where, here's where I don't understand this because I know that there are some awful, ugly things that have been done to people. Things that are awful. They're being done today. But I have to stand on the fact that, listen, maybe you're going, Pastor Ben, I can't forgive that person right now. And that's when you lean on God and you say, maybe I can't, but God can. The Holy Spirit through me. And what the Lord wants is to have your heart before him in that attitude to go, okay, I'm going to walk in this, Lord. Lord, help me. Help me. You see, it's one thing if somebody doesn't like you. You don't care. I don't care if you don't like me. You don't pay my bills. You know, all that stuff. But when somebody really hurts you, Kevin, hurt you, maybe not the man, Kevin, but maybe the boy, Kevin, and and, and the Lord says, hey, you you need to forgive that man. Maybe maybe it was a father. Maybe it was a father. Maybe it was a mother who who didn't take care. Maybe it was whatever it might be. But we have to have the attitude. Everybody say attitude. That, that we need to forgive. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, write this down. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. It's very simple. So we have to have a forgiving heart. Why? Because in order for me to forgive, I understand that I've been forgiven. So, if I'm having a hard time forgiving my brother, then I'm missing the disconnect from heaven. Do I really forgive that I'm for, do I really believe that I'm forgiven everything? Because I, I'm not able to forgive. Okay, so now so now we got now we got some we, we, we got some disconnect, okay? We're not we're not connecting, but when I truly understand, oh wow. Did I mention that, that our sins, our, our past sins are forgiven? That guilt is gone. Guilt is gone. You shouldn't feel guilty. Guilt is from the devil. Okay? So that's gone. Everybody take a deep breath and go, ah, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, yes. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means if you were to die tonight, you'll be in heaven. Your celestial home forever. You will graduate into heaven. Why? Not of anything that you've done. Not nothing that you've done, but what Jesus did for you, he's forgiven you of your sins. Did I mention that? But he's also mentioned that all the sins presently, all the sins presently. Okay? We don't want to sin. We don't, we're, we're not striving to sin. We're not, we're not uh, presuming upon God's grace going, well, listen, I'm saved. I can go do what I want to. I'm saved. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I hate it when I, oh, my flesh rolled up. And, and then I'm talking about my future sins. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. When we receive forgiveness from God, we must give it to others. Don't hold grudges, church. Don't seek revenge. What are we supposed to do then, pastor? We're to trust God for justice and forgive the person who offended us. We're supposed to. 
Does that mean we forget the offense? No, no. What I'm telling you now, ready? This is, this is key. Put on, look at it through a different perspective. Put on your Jesus-colored glasses as you look through. It's a little bit different now that you're saved. It's a little bit different now that you're saved. A lot of us are going to go to our celestial home with questions like, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? A lot of us are going to go, I don't understand. I don't understand. But we really need to be set free when we trust the sovereignty and God's plan for our life. We say, okay, okay. What does forgiveness mean to others? Well, it means releasing the other from blame and leaving the event in God's hand and moving on. When someone comes to you, Feathers, and says, oh, Feathers, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And Feather says, yes, I forgive you. Then that's the end of it. If we say we're going to forgive somebody, Feather comes to me and says, Pastor Ben, I'm so sorry I tripped you out in the hall. Will you forgive me? And I say, yes, Feathers, I forgive you. Then what does that mean? That means it's done. It's done. Our problem as humans is we go, it's done, but watch out for Feather. Watch out for she trips people in the hall. Watch out. And, and we really, we don't get to the point where we, we truly let it go. Come on now, I'm talking to some of you. You're thinking about that one person, that two people in your life. But David, David understood that. And that's why he writes one of my favorite, favorite psalms. You might even want to write that. Some people say the blessing of forgiveness, the joy of forgiveness, but I love this. So, so tonight, let's just look at this. Why? Well, think about this. David, after his sin with Bathsheba, you understand that. And then he has her husband killed. He gets popped. He gets busted. But may I employ this to you? You ready? In the text, he gets popped by Nathan. But God was already convicting him way before that. Because God doesn't want us to walk around with unforgiveness in our hearts. Because unforgiveness in our hearts is the one that keeps us in prison, not the other person. So if you're taking notes tonight, church, listen, David is going to say four basic facts about sin and forgiveness that you and I as believers need to understand and apply. You go, what are they? Number one, jot this down. We need the blessing of acceptance. The blessing of acceptance. Write that down. Verses one and two. The second one is the foolishness of not repenting. The foolishness of not repenting. This is verses 3 and 4. Verses 5 through 7 is number 3. He's going to show us the way of deliverance. And then the last one is verses 8 through 11, the joy of obedience.
So I guess the question is, in your life today, before we jump into our text, in your life today, is there joy? Is there joy? Is there peace? And that's, again, this is where he's coming from. Well, how so? Well, I want you to think about this for just a second. David was king over Israel. And David was supposed to go out to war with his troops. He was supposed to lead them. David decided, I'm going to stay home. Now, if you've been to Israel with us, it's very interesting. I used to think, how in the world can you see a woman bathing? But there in Israel, the way of the city of David, it's built on a hill and it goes straight down all the way into a valley like this. If you were to stand where David's um, um, palace was, you can see easily into the homes, into all the way down into the valley. It's the city of David. It's, it's unmistakable. You can even see that today. So David decides, he gets up from taking a nap. You guys know the story. He looks out and he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. Her name is Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. Men, what should have David done at that point? Should have turned around and walked back inside. But what does David do? He looks, oh, 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 oh. Hey, I don't know if he did that, but the point is, is that he says, guys, notice what happened. He calls her up here. Now, let's give her credit, okay? Let's, let's be honest, okay? It takes two to tango, does it not? Okay? So I don't want to be like, David, what is wrong with you? Because Bathsheba knew where David would come out. She knew when to take a bath. She just knew. She also knew that she could say no to the king because she was married. No matter how you slice it, there's always two sides to the story. Amen? No matter how you do. There you go. So you got David. You got Bathsheba. You know the story. She comes in. He has relations with her. He impregnates her. She goes on her way. He thinks this is good. Now, here's what you need to understand. David could have had any girl in Israel. He could have. He picked someone's wife. As a matter of fact, whenever you read, guys, whenever you read 2 Samuel, look at the times. It doesn't say Bathsheba. It says the wife of Uriah. Oh, 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 the wife of Uriah. So what happens? You guys know the story. You're, 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 you're what? Well, I'm pregnant, David. Oh. Well, I got an idea. Hold on. Some of you, your brains don't turn off. You go to, you, 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 that's why you can't sleep. Your brains just don't turn off. You just keep thinking too much. And that's David. David sat there and said, what do I do? I know, I got an idea. Let's, let's bring Uriah. Tell me how. So he sends Uriah, right? He, he, he sends a text. Send Uriah home. Uriah comes in and goes, okay, how's the battle going? Oh, man, it's fierce. It's fierce out there. Oh, David, what are we doing? He goes, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you take some R&R and go sleep with your wife and, and get rejuvenated? And Uriah's like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. 
So what does David do? He's like, oh, man, plan B, plan B, plan B. What do I do, plan B? Let's get him drunk. Let's get him drunk. Let's get him drunk. He get him drunk. He still didn't go home. You know the story. Eventually, David has him murdered. He has him murdered. So he's committed adultery. Okay? He's had the husband murdered. And this woman is now carrying his baby. Some time goes by, right? Second Samuel chapter 12. I'm not going to read it all. You can just jot it down. It says, then the Lord sent Nathan to David. David, and he tells him a story. He said, David, this poor little sheep, you know, and this rich man, and, and, and the poor man, they, and his name is Baha, you know, and we call him, and, and, and you know the story. He says, no, instead of taking a little, all the sheep, then the rich man, he says he took this little sheep and had it slaughtered because he had some travelers come in. And in verse 7, Nathan looks at David. David's outraged. He goes, that man should be killed. Should be killed. He goes, David. You're the man. He knew at that moment. He knew at that moment. And he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. And that's in verse 7. But over in verse 13, here's what it says. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. The question is, and it's something that we need to take take to heart. Listen to me. When we sin against people, because David sinned with Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned and he had him murdered. He sinned against his army when you think about it, because he had one of his own warriors killed. But when David got convicted because Nathan came, his response is, I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. Guys, that's so important. That's so important. We might have an awful, ugly attitude towards each other in this world, but ultimately, we're sinning against God. That's not what God called us to do. He's really called us to check our own hearts and to to walk after this. So that's the background. But the one thing I don't want you to miss is that Nathan says to David, the Lord has put away your sin. There's forgiveness. He says you shouldn't die. You shouldn't die. You got to remember, back in this day, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, if David had somebody killed, guess what? He should have died. And so David writes Psalm 32. Let's look at it. Number one, point number one, the blessing of acceptance. Psalm 32, one and two, get your Bibles out. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David is writing this, but understand the background. Now, there's something very, very important you need to grasp here. You go, what's that? Instead of diving into a plethora of sins, what does David do? David jumps into a song of praise. Did you see that? 
Why? Because the first word he said is blessed. Blessed. Oh, how happy. How happy. I'm blessed is the man. Blessed is happy is the man. Do you guys see that? Happy is the man. Now think about this. Think about this. You've heard me say so many times that in order for news to be good, it has to invade bad spaces. For news to be really good, it has to get into the dark, dark spaces, right? Well, the same principle applies here. To know the blessings of forgiveness, we need to feel the burden of our sin. We have to. I was listening to a teaching today, and I caught the tail end, but what it was, it was saying that basically um, sheep, sheep are pretty dirty. You don't know how dirty they are until it snows. And when it snows, the backdrop, beautiful white snow, you tend to look at the sheep and go, oh, they're not white at all. They're very dirty. And that's the same thing here, guys. In the backdrop, we have to have that backdrop so we go, oh, oh. You see, for news to be super good, it has to invade those dark spaces. Then it's really good news. I'm worried about the person that goes, oh yeah, forgiveness, I'm forgiven. And, and they don't understand the price that it took for, for that forgiveness. I believe it's noteworthy that David didn't just say, oh, blessed the man who's forgiven. He details words like transgression. Guys, transgression is rebellion, refusing to submit to rightful authority. He uses words like sin. We know that is missing the mark. While transgression looks at the violation of the known law, sin looks at the coming short of that aim which God intended for us to reach. And then he uses iniquity. A word meaning of means bent or twisted. It has a new sense of perverting that which is right and erring from the way. You go, what does that mean? Well, first of all, we know that sin means to miss the mark. Okay? And then we also know that transgression means, oh, here's the line. I didn't realize this. I trespassed. I transgressed. Oh, I'm sorry. But the one that really gets me is iniquity. You know what iniquity means? It means I know where the line is. I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's iniquity. David's done all three. I've missed the mark. I, I know, God, I know what your word says, but I'm going to have Uriah killed. I know what your word says, but I'm going to sleep with her anyway because I'm king, because I'm somebody. You see, I want you to see something right here. David understands his sin. He understands it. Listen to me. It wasn't that David was going 50 in a 35 mile an hour zone and that was his sin. He broke the law. That's not what it is. He truly understands and here's what we have to do. When we feel the weight of our sin, the weight of our sin, then forgiveness is so much sweeter. It's so much sweeter because you go, Let me tell you something, too, the Lord's put it in my heart. Many of us have a hard time forgiving ourselves. 
And that's why we can't receive his forgiveness. We have a hard time. You won't even forgive yourself for the stuff you've done. And the Lord's going, I forgive you. And you're going, "Uh, I don't know. I'll take it because I want to go to heaven, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And so I know it's not commonplace and cliche, but think about it. We do have to forgive ourselves because we're not greater than Christ. And if Christ can forgive us, then we are forgiven. And so again, think about what he says. David says, I understand my sin, but he also employs forgiveness. You know what forgiveness means? To bear, carry off, take away a burden. Our sin is a burden which God himself bears or takes away or takes away. That's what it means. That's forgiveness. That's forgiveness. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you understand forgiveness? Do you fully understand it? You go, yeah, I think so. Well, let me illustrate it this way. It's like if I had run up a million-dollar charge at a, oh, I don't know, uh, an account, basically at a department store. I went over, and I, and, and I don't know who would give me a million-dollar line of credit, but let's say they did, and I charged a million dollars worth of stuff. The problem was is I didn't have $10 to my name. There's no way I can pay that debt. But the store informs me that the charge number on my card actually charged to the debt of another man's account. And that man was a multimillionaire and he was willing to pay it on my behalf. That's what God has done for us in Christ. He paid a debt we couldn't pay. We owed this unpayable debt for our sin. That's what trips me out about today's Christianity, where they say, well, no, 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 we're all good and everything's happy. We, we, we're sinners. And that's where, we're, that's where grace comes in, where we, where we just we fall upon that. The, the, the Christ paid it on the cross. And when, he tr- when we trust what he's done on the cross. Now, how many of you go, well, listen, I still mess up. And, and the devil comes in and goes, you're still a mess up. You're still this, you're still this. He'll give you a long list. And then what you do is you go, no, that's why Jesus died. He knew all of this. And here's where I find comfort. I find comfort so much in knowing that God knew who I was, what I was going to be, how I was going to act way before, and he still loved me and died for me. I mean, that is so much come. He knows exactly how we are. He knows exactly what you're going to do. That's, that's, well, that's agape love. That's such a perfect love, is it not? Wow. Wow, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He knew exactly what kind of person, he knew my personality. He knew the way I thought. And he said, I'm, I'm still going to die. I'm still going to, I'm still... If you want a theological name, you can jot this down. It's called the doctrine of imputation. The doctrine of imputation, I-M-P-U-T-A-T-I-O-N. And it means credit from one account to another. That's what this means. Credit from one account to another. The doctrine of imputation. If you want a biblical reference, think about this. On his postcard to Philemon, Paul tells, whatever Onesimus owes, put it on my account. 
Put it on my account. I will pay. That's what Paul says. It's the doctrine of imputation, whatever he owes. Whatever he owes. Whatever he owes. Let me just say this, and we'll move on. You ready? When we own our own sin, come on, somebody, then we find the joy of being faithfully forgiven. That's why Paul says, I was a blasphemer. I was this. I was an insolent man. He says, but not anymore. Not anymore. Well, let's look at point number two, the foolishness of unrepentance or the foolishness of not repenting. Notice what he says. David says, when I kept silent, what happened? My bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer, Selah. I think we can sort of relate to that here in Lubbock, Texas today, don't you think? We have been praying for rain. We've been blessed that we got a little bit of rain last night. But we know what the drought of summer is. It was looking bad. It was getting we were praying and praying and praying. But notice, remember I said that Nathan came and David was not busted, if you will, until Nathan said, you're the man. But think about what God has been doing. David writes, no, 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 listen. Even before, way before Nathan came and told me uh, this story, he said, this is how I felt. He said, I, I didn't say anything. I knew I was, I, I <laughs> he said, my bones, my bones grew old. And I was uh, groaning all day long. Uh, this is a young man, Dave, David. And he's like, oh. He said, man, night and day, I felt. And, and a lot of times we take this as, as negative. Oh, God's hand, his heavy hand is upon me. But you know what God wanted to do? He wanted to set David free. He said, because confession is what sets us free. That's what we got to do. Listen, listen. And he goes, he says, my vitality. Guys, the, well, let's go. I'm ready to go. He goes, Dave, you ready to go? I don't know why I can't. He says, man, I feel like I'm so drained. Ever feel that way? I'm drained. He says, this is why. You see, David, here's it. You ready? Here's some good application for us. David was foolish because he refused to come clean. He refused to come clean. I think about Cain in Genesis chapter 4. Do you remember the story? Knowing that Cain had taken his failing to heart, God immediately stepped and warned him about his heart condition, saying, why are you so angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not, well, sin lies at your door. What was God saying? God was telling Cain not to mope around, but to offer more excellent sacrifice. Moreover, he warned him that sin was wanting to pounce on him if he, if he didn't budge. Well, the story goes on that Cain didn't heed the word of God and he did not change his mind. In other words, Cain stayed unrepentant. He didn't act in accordance to what he now knew. You go, well, Ben, what did he know? He knew that he could try his sacrifice again and that he would ask for instruction on what to do. Did he ask for instruction? No. 
he became prideful. God, you're not going to tell me what to do. Martin Luther, Martin Luther said it like this, quote, Sin has but two places where it may be. Either it may be with you so that it lies upon your neck or upon Christ, the Lamb of God. Now, if it lies upon your neck, you're lost. However, if it lies upon Christ, you are free and you will be saved. If your sin is upon Christ, then you enjoy the blessing of a clean conscience. End quote. You go, well, Ben, what are you trying to say? Here it is. You ready? It's time to be honest with the Lord. And he wants us to confess those things to him. David said, verse 4, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality turned into the drought of summer. It was Charles Spurgeon who once said, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. I like that. God does not permit his children to sin successfully. We can try. We can try. We get busted, man. And you guys know it. You know it. You know it. You're a wonderful, amazing church, but you know that when you sin and you, and you ask for forgiveness and you repent and you confess that to the Lord, you feel the cleansing of God in your life. You feel that. You're like, oh. David, think about him. Once a mighty man of valor, now allowed the foolishness of unrepentance to dry him up. You go, well, pastor, what's the point? You ready before we move on to the next one? If you're here tonight, confess and repent. Confess and repent. Give it to God. Don't let unrepentance rob you from the abundant life that God has promised you. Confess. Lord, I've been harboring bitterness. I've been harboring anger. I've been I've been complaining too much. I've been Lord, I've been I've been ugly. I've been awful. You know, I think about this. I think about this, you know, confessing and repenting. When my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer about seven years ago, I was with her every step of the way. But my background of having my my mom die of breast cancer and then having my sister die of lung cancer and then having just your grandma die of cancer and all of this stuff... Something amazing, something awful happened to me. You go, well, I thought Natalie had cancer. She did. But what happened in my spirit, in my heart, guys, and this is hard for me to confess, but I understand what he's saying. He's saying, all of a sudden, what I began to do is in an effort to protect my own heart from, from, from losing someone, I began to push Natalie away. Now, it wasn't just, I mean, it was, it was awful. You understand, it was, it was, I don't care, I, you know, because I was, I said, I said, man, this thing could kill her, and then I've got to, I've got to protect myself, because she's going to die too, everybody dies, I just, and, and subconsciously, that's what I did.
It wasn't until until I, until until she came and said, "What is what is wrong with you?" And I had to repent. I had to confess, "I am so sorry. This is I didn't realize what I was doing. I was I was trying to protect my own heart." And sometimes, sometimes when we hold it in silent to protect our own heart, Oh well, Lord, I can't. I can't do this. I can't. Con- I can't confess that. And He's saying, "No, no, no." You see, what's going to happen is that you're going to push her so far away that you'll never get her back. And so the thing about it is that we have to confess and repent, and don't let unrepentance rob you. It was robbing me of an abundant life with my spouse. It was robbing me of joy. This cancer was trying to rob me much more than, than, hey, if it would have taken Nathalie's life or it could have gone south or whatever. I mean, it was trying to rob me of my relationship, not only with Nathalie, but with God. And I say that, you know, with vulnerability. So the point is, we have to confess. If there's something in your life, you need to confess that. Well, point number three, very quickly, verses five through seven, the way of deliverance. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. And I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely a flood of great waters, you shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with the songs of deliverance. Do you see that? In other words, what's David saying? Think about what he's saying. He said, man, when I confessed my sin to you, can you imagine? He said, I didn't conceal my wrongdoings. He said, when I decided to confess to you, you forgave all of my sins. He says, man, you're so loyal And all your loyal people should pray in those times of need. When a great flood of trouble comes rushing in, he says, it's not going to reach you. You are my hiding place. That's what he says. You'll save me from trouble. Notice, David rejoices in getting busted by God. Listen, many people do. Many people who are sinning don't want to get caught, but when they do, it's a relief because they can finally come clean. You think they're going to freak and they're going, I'm just glad it's over and they can come clean. Here's my point. Some of my friends, many, many pastors have gotten busted. Moral failings. Great men I used to look up to. But what the Lord's saying is before that happens, you need, to, you need to confess it. You need to come clean now. Let's chat. We have a few minutes. And we'll, finish, we'll finish in verses 8 through 11. But many of us who have a bad habit of rationalizing our sin and our errors, we all struggle with the guilt of unconfessed sin in our hearts with the only goal is to have peace again. So in order to have peace, many deny what they've done. 
or find excuses or squirm out from under the responsibility or the consequences of wrongdoing. Now listen. That is when we work hard to be good in order to compensate for our mistakes. But David says, no, 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 no. I'm not asking you to work hard. I'm asking you to confess. Because confession is an act of honesty and courage. And then he gives us point number four, the joy of obedience. Verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit or a bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice in righteousness and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Don't you just love that? In Psalm 51, verse 12, here's what David writes. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Notice, he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Shout for joy, for you are forgiven. David writes this, and I think, he, I think a lot of us can relate to that. A lot of us can relate to that. Now, a lot of us in here didn't, didn't have an affair and get another woman pregnant and then have her husband killed and go through all the stuff that David did. But I think the principle is founded on we, we have to confess. We have to, we have, he's, he's forgiven us. So a couple things happens in my heart. When I realize that I can be like David, then I'm not so quick to judge my brother. If, I've, if I mess up, if I'm, if I'm struggling, then I'm not real quick. And, and again, the, the Lord tells us, right? He says, first of all, listen, listen. First take what? First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see the speck in your brother's eye. So, so you understand that, right? You understand. Oh, okay, okay, I understand how I am. But the second thing is that I understand forgiveness. I understand how I'm forgiven, and therefore allows me to extend forgiveness to others. It's the joy. It's a joy, but it doesn't, but it, but it comes with a price. You go, what's the price? There has to be a place of confession. David is dealing with all of this. So if you're here tonight, guys, you're here tonight. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. Now you need to spend some time just, just with him. Maybe right now, He's knocking so gently and beautifully in our hearts that that we have to confess. Maybe there's something you just need to confess to him and something that you just need to repent from. The enemy can't take your salvation away. When Jesus died for you and you believe that and you walk in that, you're forgiven, you're going to heaven. But he can take away your joy and he can rob you of a life with peace and comfort and he can he, 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 you're just allowing the thief to come in but tonight we're going to take back what he's trying to steal how do we do that real simple maybe in your heart there's somebody that you need to forgive and in your mind you just say right now Lord I forgive so and so I've held on to that and, and I, I, just, I just need to let it go 
You go, well, I'm good. Well, maybe the Lord will give you. Maybe, maybe you're in here, and, and like David, you're struggling with some things. You're flirting with the world or, or, or whatever it might be. As the worship team comes back up to just lead us into some sweet, sweet worship, maybe that's what we need to do, guys. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, and here's what I want you to do. This is the hardest part, okay? This is the hardest part right here. We're just going to listen. We're just going to listen. Don't, don't, don't turn on your brain and all, all of that stuff. Just say, God, listen, we're just going to listen. We're going to listen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We love you, Jesus. And we're just going to thank you tonight, God. I'm going to take a minute, Lord, just to listen. Father, I confess to you, I'm not clean. We're not clean, Lord. We're holding and harboring. And, and Lord, but tonight needs to be a night of, of freedom. Tonight needs to be a night, Lord, where we understand what David was saying. Father, we fully accept your forgiveness, so we need to confess that. Lord, maybe tonight there's people in here, God, that, that are, are struggling with, with not, not repenting, Lord. They're just... <sighs> just ask the Lord right now. Just listen. Listen, Lord, speak to us. Oh, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, we're not here for blessing. We're not here... Uh, for, for, for spiritual goose pimples, we're just here to, to, do, to do work with you, Lord, because you want to restore the joy of our salvation. You want to restore us back to, to walking and smiling, Lord, to, to reflecting who you are. We've allowed too many things of the world to, to infiltrate our mind and to, Lord, I'm sorry. We confess our sin to you, Lord. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make you, make his face to shine upon you. God bless you guys. Have a great, great evening. See you on Sunday. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.